it's a special as Christmas is to all of us. Does it not? Does it affect moments like this with music and all that help me to remember that Christmas means more than sometimes it begins to feel like it means to me during the marketing and all that's part of the season. You know what I'm saying? Anybody share that sentiment that it's it can become all too familiar. It can lose its wonder uh, in the world in which we live. It's a reminder of how easy that can happen to all of us. Part of it is we just take things for granted. Several years ago, and some of you heard me tell about it, but several years ago I had an opportunity to go to Ethiopia and see Shalema Jamburu, who is a young man that our students have supported for a number of years through Compassion International. And it's a fantastic ministry. He's a, he's a young man who lives in a very impoverished area and is a student at one of the local churches that has a school there. And so he's getting education, he's getting health care, he's getting spiritual training and health care training, all kinds of things that are helping not just him, but his whole family. And I had an opportunity to go visit him with Compassion International several years ago. What a, what a wonderful experience it was. But one of the things that was fascinating to me was he came to the hotel, he and the project director at the, at the church that he was a student at this school. They came to the hotel that I was staying at. I took them to dinner, and we had a wonderful meal there in the restaurant that was part of the hotel. And you could tell by the look in his eyes, he'd never seen any place like this in his whole life. Never. Just never been in a place like this. And so, you know, we, first thing we do, we walk in to the restaurant, and he's like just eyes like this. And so, we, so then we think, oh, we need to go to the restroom to wash our hands. So we go to the restroom. We, we're washing our hands in the sink I, is what I'm doing. And he's just standing there, eyes wide open, mouth aghast. And he's like, he can't speak my language, but he's saying with his body language, there's water coming out of that thing. This is what he's saying. Completely dumbfounded. You know, he went to the, went to the, to the restroom uh, over here. Did not know how to flush the toilet. Okay? Uh, we walk out of there, go out to the front to uh, sit down at the restaurant. We're eating dinner together. And I'm, I'm thinking, this is a special occasion. It's a, it's a privilege for me to be able to be here to meet this young man and to pray for him and to bless him. And, and I wanted to make it so, you know, they, they come and offer us uh, whatever we want to drink. You know, and we're, they're all ordering water. And I said, bring us Cokes. Bring us Cokes. So they bring out bottles of Coke. This was, they didn't have any of the Coke like we have. It's bottled Coke, the real thing, you know, is what they bring to us. So they set it down, one in front of each of us, me, the Shalema, and the, the project director. Uh, they pop the tops on them. Uh, we all, I, I take a drink, which sort of signals it's okay to to drink this, you know, you're not going to die if you drink it, because they're not used to it. So he, uh, he takes his Coke, he takes a big drink, and his eyes begin to water, <laughs> and his face scrunches up. He's about 10 at the time, scrunches up, and in some language I couldn't understand, Amaric, he's, he's like kind of complaining to the, to the project director, and what it turns out is like it, the flavor was so intense you know, he just, he couldn't do it. 
So literally, they brought, a, they brought us all glasses of water and poured the Coke. It was, it was half, a 50-50, you know, an Arnold Palmer remade. You know, here, you've got, you've got water and half water and half Coke in it. He could drink that, and he liked that and thought that was fantastic. But as all this was going on and more than I could tell you, I was just reminded of the extent to which you and I grow comfortable and familiar. We lose the wonder of so many things of life. We just take them for granted. And Christmas is one of those kinds of things. And, and it's important that as we enter the Christmas season, as, as it's a week ahead of us here, a few days, I just want to remind you this morning, every one of us needs to remember that Jesus' birth was far from ordinary. I mean, you may be familiar with the story, but I feel like part of my job this morning is to help us all remember that this was an extraordinary event. Unlike anything anybody imagined. Yes, the prophets foretold it. But how many other things have the prophets foretold that mankind has thought to themselves, Ah, yeah, maybe that's what it means. How many people do you think read Isaiah seven fourteen about a virgin birth and thought, Oh, yeah, it's going to be born of a virgin. How, how many people do you think thought that? They thought of every other way you could translate that word. Is what they did, just as we would do, because it all, all of this has become common, comfortable for us. And this morning, I just want you to remember that this was a birth like no other, of a child like no other. And the Bible tells us that, but this morning we need to receive that. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start there this morning. Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have one, grab one on the shelf in front of you. You can certainly follow along on the screen with me. And for those of you who are live streaming this morning, which I know as a significant number of you, uh, would encourage you to uh, just follow along in the text on the screen or uh, grab your own Bible there even as well. But this important passage, great passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 18 and read as far as chapter 2, verse 2. So this is what the Scripture says. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of Mary, son of, son of Mary, duh. Let me read that again. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look. The virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, and about that time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. There are so many things 
in this passage of Scripture, just these verses that we've read, that we could spend our time talking about this morning. All of them would be worth our time. We could talk about how the Holy Spirit here has power clearly to do some pretty astonishing things, wouldn't you say? I mean, He can do anything He wants to do. And if that's the case, I want to ask you, what needs do you have in your life? What do you need from God right now? I mean, we think of Christmas being a season of giving, and it is. But God thinks of it as a season of giving as well, where he gives to us, and, and sometimes it requires faith to receive. Maybe he's saying to you this morning, even just by this little moment, just he's saying, you know, by my Holy Spirit, I can do astonishing things. Ask, ask. Nothing is impossible for me, he's saying. Maybe you just need to have the faith to ask. God, we could talk from this passage about how God spoke uh, to Joseph through a dream. What would happen to you if God spoke to you in a dream? Would you listen? you even think God could speak that way if he wanted to? So a lot could be said about that. God is not mute. He wasn't in this day. He isn't in our day. We need to be open to listen to what God has to say to us. We have to test it against the Word of God, yes, but are you open? Are you listening for the leading of God in your life? We could talk from this passage, just as God spoke through the prophets about Christ's first coming, we could talk about this. God has spoken through the prophets about Christ's second coming. And just as there were those who missed the first coming, guess what the teaching of Scripture will be? There'll be those who miss the point of the second. They miss it. The irony is those in the first coming who missed him, for the most part, were not just those who didn't know about him. They were those who supposedly were on his side. You suppose that could happen even within the framework of those of us who are children, those of us who call ourselves Christian? Do you think we could miss You can make a pretty strong case for that. So many things we could talk about from this passage could launch us into. But today, what we're going to focus on in particular is this. I want us to see what these verses reveal that's truly unique about Jesus' birth. Things that set it apart as a birth unto itself. Unlike unlike any of the other ones that we could could experience or imagine. And, And the first uniqueness here is Jesus' conception. Jesus' conception was unique. If you look at verse 18, just look at that one more time, kind of the middle part of the verse. It says, before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, the verse says, she became pregnant. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph was not naive, this was troubling. Because while, Jesus, while Joseph would clearly believe that God could do anything he wanted to do, he knew that this was not normal. Perhaps because of his relationship with Mary, he even knew that Elizabeth, her aunt, was pregnant. Maybe he knew that. We don't know. But we suspect that that was true because the Bible tells us about it. And she was pregnant, and lo and behold, an angel had appeared to her to explain all of this. You go back and read Luke chapter 1 if you haven't read it lately. It's a great passage. So an angel tells Zechariah that he's going to have a son and that his barren wife is going to have a child and Elizabeth learns about this and all of this takes place. And 
And now there's an angel appearing to Mary telling her this. And if I'm Joseph, I kind of go, okay, well, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this. Because I know I haven't slept with her. So this is someone else's child. So what's Joseph do? Verse 20, as he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And Joseph said, a son of David, the angel said, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she'll have a son, and you're to name him Jesus. He goes on and explains, verse 22, All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And then he quotes Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah who says in Isaiah seven fourteen these words, You know, look, or behold, the virgin will conceive a child, and she'll give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means, the, the, the name, literally, Emmanuel means, God is with us. God is with us, kind of like we sang earlier. Scripture's just saying this was just not a normal birth. It was unique. It was a virgin birth. And God wants us to understand this is a very big deal. Some in our day are tempted to, to diminish this as though it's no significant thing. But the fact is, it's a huge deal. If Jesus was not born of a virgin... He's not divine. He doesn't have God as his father. He has Joseph as his father. You see, the whole point of Scripture here is to clarify for all of God's people that this is a miraculous birth. Jesus' father was God, not Joseph. It's unique. It's unlike any other, any other birth. The only other one that comes somewhat close, and it's not even exactly the same, is Adam, who was created by God in the garden out of the dust of the earth, and God breathes life into him. That's as, it's as close as it gets. This is a unique conception and birth, and he's different than Moses. He's different than Jeremiah. He's different than Ezekiel. Jesus is different than you and me. He's different than Muhammad. He's different from every other prophet or person who's ever walked the face of the planet, before or since. Which leads us to really the second uniqueness here in the text of this whole birth, and that is that Jesus ancestry was unique. If you have your Bible there, I just want to encourage you to open it to Matthew chapter 1, just the earlier part. You're already in Matthew 1. I say open it. Look at verse, look at verse 1. So I want you to see this, because chapter 1, verse 1, this is when you do the reading through the Bible part, this is one of those places where sometimes people get bogged down, these first few verses. I want you to see why they're there. Why they're here, okay? So look at Matthew 1, verse 1 in your Bible. The Bible says this, This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And then notice what it goes on, and I'll read a little bit here. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. We could skip down a little bit. Ram was the father of Abinadab. Uh, uh, Boaz was the father of Obed. Skip down a little further. Je- uh, Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. I could go on here with this. You could get down to Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Little, uh, you know, just, just keep, keep going here. Azor was the father of Zadok. 
Uh, and then you get to verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph. And notice what it says. The husband of Mary. What's the point? The point is, is that the pattern is broken. The pattern of ancestry is broken. Jacob was the father of Joseph, yes, the husband of Mary, not the father of Jesus. You see, see the distinction there? Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Now, what's going on here? It's laying out the ancestry, that the ancestry of Jesus, I mean, he, had, he is... From his mother's side, he's all of this. He's this descendant of all these people. And his father is a descendant. But his, his, his father's adoptive father this is Joseph. Okay? Because his real father was God. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's just important that we see that Jesus' ancestry was unique. I mean, God was his father. But then, what of Joseph? What do we do with Joseph here? Look at uh, verse 16 in the text uh, there as well, Matthew 1. It goes on and says, I'm going to find my place back to there. In Matthew 16 it says, He was the father of Joseph, the husband, Jacob was the father of Joseph. Now, look at what the angel says in verse 20. The angel says, Joseph, son of David. Wait a second, what's going on here? Is he the son of David or is he the son of Jacob? Yes. He is. He is the son of Jacob, physically speaking. He is the descendant, the descendant of David, former king. Now, why why point that whole thing out? It's biblical prophecy. The whole point of biblical, we go back and read Isaiah 9, we could read Isaiah 11, we could read other passages in the Old Testament about how the Messiah would be of the lineage of David. And it's just laying out for us that, that he was a descendant of this great and mighty king. It's also significant in this respect, Joseph was, was both a descendant of King David physically, but it's important we understand he was a descendant of King David spiritually. What do I mean by that? Do you remember what David was known for in the Old Testament? He was a man after God's own heart. You remember that? Look at what the text tells us about Joseph in verse 19. <laughs> says, Joseph, her fiancé, notice what it says, was a good man. Good in our language anymore. Honestly, in my opinion, this is a poor translation. Here's why. Because in our language, good is a word that's lost its wonder. We don't don't have any idea what that means. You know, the, the fact that you got here this morning is good. You know, the fact, you, the fact that you hit a deer and, you know, had damage, nobody was hurt, that's good. On, you know, on our, the, the, what good means in our culture can mean so many different things. Really, what the original word was, the, the Hebrew word and the Greek word, means righteous. He was a righteous. Good had more meaning in ancient times than it has in our day. So my point is, is that he's a son of David, both physically and spiritually. And the best evidence of Joseph's righteousness is this. He was willing to put the plan of God ahead of his own plans, his own preferences, his own well-being, his own reputation. 
I guess that makes me think of us. You know, are we? Are we willing to put the plan of God ahead of our reputation, ahead of our plans? Joseph takes Mary home to be his wife because he was a righteous man who heard from God and humbled himself. What an ancestry Jesus had. More could be said about that, but one other uniqueness of Jesus' birth was this. It was Jesus' mission. And if you look at verse 20, it just clarifies that the angel says, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She'll have a son, and you are to name him Let me say it this way, Yeshua. Why would I say that? Because that's the Hebrew word. And the Hebrew word literally means salvation or Savior. That's what you're to name him. So, you know, you got little little Yeshua running around the house as a toddler. Come here, Yeshua. Yeah, I mean, do you get... Do you, do you track with me how this is? So they're literally naming him salvation, okay? He said, and you will name, you are to name him Yeshua, Jesus, salvation, for he will save his people from their sins, just so you never forget his purpose in life, his mission. We're going to name him his mission, salvation. For centuries, countless lambs had been sacrificed to atone for the sins of the people. But once and for all time, the spotless Lamb of God was coming into the world to atone for the sins of all who would turn to him in faith. It's a very unique mission, a very unique calling. And it prompts me to want to ask you, is Jesus' mission as it relates to you complete yet? He came to save his people from their sins. Is his mission as it relates to you complete yet? It's begun. It began 2,000 years ago. But have you looked toward heaven and decided, I want to be one of his people? Look at the text. It's real clear. He will save his people from their sins. Are you one of his people? You become one of his people not just because you breathe air. Okay? Hitler breathed air, was not one of his people. There are others we know. Have you looked heavenward and just this is how you this is how you become one of his people. You humble yourself before him and you ask for forgiveness. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I have sinned. I've fallen short of your expectations and mine. Have you humbled yourself in that fashion? You look heavenward and you offer him yourself and you just say, Lord, I, I know that I'm an imperfect, incomplete person. I am not what you dreamed of me being. I'm not what I always dreamed that I would become. But you came for me. You purchased me with your shed blood on the cross. I offer myself to you. Have you, have you offered yourself to him? Have you demonstrated that not just with words, which of course are important, but have you demonstrated it with action? I mean, that's what the whole picture of baptism is about. It's not just some meaningless church ritual. It is an act by which you demonstrate with your body surrender 
to the one who surrendered himself for you and for me. You go under the water, dying to self symbolically. You come up out of the water, rising from the tomb symbolically, just as he did literally. Have you done that? With your body declared your faith. And then, of course, you know, we declare him, our king, and ourselves as one of his people as we worship him. That's sort of the picture, really, of the, the wise men who showed up sometime after, uh, after Jesus was born. If you look in the text, it's really clear this was, that also made it sort of a unique thing. that He was born in Bethlehem, but the, the wise men show up in Jerusalem initially and you read the rest of the story, they make their way to Bethlehem eventually, but if you look at what they did, they came asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as a rose, and we have come, why? To worship him. We want to be one of his people. This Christmas, will you make it all about worshiping him? If you want to restore the wonder to Christmas, it really is about restoring to our practice and our minds the worship of the one who came so uniquely that very first Christmas. And every one of us has opportunity to do that. want to uh, encourage you to, uh, to do that. We want to help you worship Jesus uh, this holiday season as we head into the Christmas week this week. Uh, we've got a couple of ways that we want to do that. Uh, we've got two Christmas Eve services, and you can come to either one. Pick, your, pick your t- the time that works best for you, 4.30 or 6. Uh, it'll be right here. Uh, come early. Please sit in the front like these kind faithful souls. Uh, do that. that. That helps us out. And, uh, but also, it's, you know, it's always, particularly the first one, is always uh, pretty full. So I would encourage you to, to come. Make that a part of your Christmas celebration. Um, and, and I would say as well, you know, we'll probably live stream some of that. So those of you who aren't able to be here will be live streaming that so you can check that. I know some of you live far away and that, that would be a blessing to you. But also want you to know that uh, Christmas Day, as Kristen pointed out earlier, we're not going to have services here. That doesn't mean that worship doesn't happen. It doesn't mean that. We've got these gift bags over here, these Christmas gift bags that we've put together, and they're put together specifically as a tool to help you make it a meaningful morning of worship with your family, with whoever you happen to be with. If you're by yourself or you're with lots of people, you can grab one of those. And uh, my message for Christmas morning before you open any gifts is uh, about an hour and a half. (laughs) Just so you can torture the children. Just so you can torture. No, actually, no. Uh, because I had this picture in my mind of that and, and children, you know, crying out uh, against me. And uh, please, Pastor Greg, shut up! You know, <laughs> broken televisions and various other things as gifts sit unwrapped under the tree, uh, wrapped under the tree. So, so I, you know, I, I raise it. But we've also, we've got, it's brief, let me say that, but it's brief. But, but you can, t- can check that out. Uh, we've also got. And there, uh, as Kristen mentioned, we've got uh, the, the communion elements there, so you can participate in that if you'd like to. Uh, we also have some little tools in there that can help dialogue with children of different ages, whether it's discussion or uh, little 
well, I'm just not going to tell you everything's in there. There's some cool stuff in there that will, will go along with what I'm talking about. So I, I think that it'll be really anything. As Kristen mentioned, please, one per family. Because I don't know if we can make gobs and gobs of these. So, so make sure and grab one for family. So husbands, let, let's put it this way. Wives, you pick up. Mom, you pick up the bag. Okay, Dad, uh, trust that mom will get it. And uh, if mom, you can't get it, then you can then tell dad to get it. But anyway, just, just try to get those if you can. We're going to have those today. You can take them home with you today. Also, uh, we'll have some Christmas Eve. If you get one today, please don't get one Christmas Eve or vice versa. So just kind of, if you get it Christmas Eve, obviously don't get it today. So would encourage you to take advantage of that. Some of you say, I'm not in Kansas City. How am I going to get a gift bag? Uh, we're not going to mail it to you. But... <laughs> That doesn't mean we don't love you. But what it does mean, it does mean you, you can still access the, uh, the link to the message that, that is on the DVD through Facebook, through our website. Uh, you can get it through uh, gregmontague.com. You can get it any one of those ways. Uh, and it'll be posted Christmas morning. So just kind of watch for that. So we're not going to put it out there until Christmas morning because that's when it's relevant. Okay? So that's, uh, th- take advantage of that. Utilize that as a resource even with family members in town. Maybe say, hey, you know, we kind of got this. You may have to modify how you do it, but, you know, utilize it as an opportunity with family. Um, Just take advantage of it. Make it a meaningful worship experience uh, for them. But here's, here's the bottom line. Every one of us needs to recognize this week that this is not an ordinary birth. It's a birth like no other. It's a child like no other. And you and I have a destiny beyond what we deserve because he chose to come. Celebrate that. It could have been a very different ending for all of us. But because of God's love and his choice, he's reached out to us. And that's what we celebrate this week. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to pray together. And then we're going to be uh, dismissed and hope that you'll uh, grab some of those bags. Those of you who may not be able to be here Christmas Eve or whatever, grab one of those as you head out. Uh, if you have any questions over there, you can ask Lori and ask Tara, various ones. Krista may be over there. But uh, our wish is that you'll have a Merry Christmas, that you'll be safe as you drive home today, that your uh, Christmas holiday will be blessed with God's presence, uh, that, uh, that the people who you're spending time with will be blessed by you, that you'll cast... You know, plant seeds for God in the relationships and in the conversations that take place. I mean, all these things are far more. So let's pray now, and then, uh, then we'll be dismissed, all right? Heavenly Father, we just lift up to you our gratitude that you have loved us, that you sent your one and only Son, uh, not to come as the conquering king that he will one day come as, but as a humble, approachable, adorable baby, an irresistible infant and just as those before have come to worship we want to come today this week uh, this year to worship we celebrate his arrival we celebrate the forgiveness that can be ours we want to be one of your people one of your children would you forgive us of our many sins would you make us yours we offer to you ourselves if we need to be baptized as as we talked about, pray, Father, that, uh, that you'll help some of us to be, just to take that step of faith, to act on that. And um, 
will rejoice to be your children as we worship you and follow you. Just grateful for your grace and for every single person and family represented here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.